Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Pastor Mark is teaching a series on Holy Spirit. Uh, and today we're going to concentrate on the gifts of leadership in the body of Christ. But before we do, let's just briefly talk about an aspect of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I think needs uh, to be said. And my first point this morning is Holy Spirit gives gifts so we can help each other. Holy Spirit gives gifts so we can help each other. Pastor Mark uh, talked a couple weeks ago about that church in Corinth. And uh, he taught that a couple weeks ago, how it was a major trading uh, city in Rome and how the Corinthians had a lot of pressure from their culture uh, that they had to deal with. And that church especially had to adjust their view on their culture when they became Christians. Just as we do today, you know, we, we, uh, we live in a culture that uh, is worldly. And so we, too, have to uh, deal with worldly issues as we move forward in our spiritual life with Christ, right? So we really can't judge the church in Corinthians too harshly. And, and fortunately, Paul was there to set them straight. You know, this was the church that, according to the book of Corinthians, had made a mockery of communion. The church members had turned communion into a selfish practice between those who had and those who had not. You know, they made the people that came to, to church without food for communion to sit at the back of the church. And some people brought a big feast and, and just ate it themselves. And they made a mockery of communion. And, and so Paul chastised them in, in, in the book of Corinthians, chapter 11, 20 through uh, 34. Well, the, the church in, Corinth, in, uh, Corinthia, in Corinth also confused, uh, were confused about spiritual gifts. And uh, similar to the problematic, problematic way that they um, practice communion, they also develop a misconception about spiritual gifts. There are some in the church who measured themselves by the gifts they had. You know, they felt that some gifts were better than others. And they felt that if they had better gifts than others, then they were better than others. And so Paul had to disabuse them of that notion. And um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Paul says to the church, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us, and I underline the next phrase, so we can help each other. That's why we have spiritual gifts. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together, and I emphasize together, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So we together are part of, of Christ's body. And so the bottom line is we each have a role in this church family, and each gift is equally, and I stress equally important. You know, God made each of us unique, right? He, he gave us unique faces, unique personalities. 
In the same way, he gave each of us a gift or a set of gifts that are unique to each one of us. Uh, are you using those gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave you? Do you know what your gifts are? You know, some of us, and me included, you know, don't have a full grasp of the gifts that the Spirit has given us. And Julia talked about this a few weeks ago, and she talked about how she really didn't have an idea of what her gifts were until what? Until she got involved. Until she started doing something in the church. You know? Uh, and look at her now. She leads and she serves. And she's using the gifts that God has given her. And it doesn't have to be solely in the church family. It can be with your personal family where you lead and use your gifts. Or it can be among the uh, in, you know, where you work, where you can use your gifts. Just not in the church family, but you're part of the church family, and you need to use the gifts that the Spirit has assigned to you, but the only way that you'll get to know what those gifts are if you don't know what they are is to get involved. To get involved. You know, look at the results of some of those who use your gifts every Sunday. The sound system. I didn't set it up. You know, we've got the projections for the monitor, got the IT team working back there, broadcasting the message over the Internet. You know, the greeting table was set up very nicely. We've got delicious coffee. There's donuts and water. They just don't magically appear, right? Although the donuts seem to magically disappear. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've got Steve over there using his talent as a greeter. But, you know, he uses his talent over where he lives. Same with Eileen. They bring others to Christ. You know, Sherry brought two guests today. She's using her gift. Um, you know, volunteers take on prayer needs. Fifth Sunday meals, what about that? We all like that. Right, John? And many here tithe and give generously. So, and we have small groups. All this happens because members of the church use their gifts to make it all happen. And, you know, Pastor Mark our spiritual leader and Pastor Christine work hard every day for the furtherance of this church family and to equip us every Sunday so that we can go out and deal with this world and spread the gospel. So we see there are gifts uh, given by Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit mixes and matches the gifts to each one of us so that we can help each other in the body of Christ. And that's what it says in the Bible, 1 Peter 4. Verses 10 and 11 says, this is verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Verse 11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Verse 11 continued. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So my first point is, Holy Spirit gives gifts so we can help each other in this family and in the body of Christ. And so use those gifts. If you don't know what they are, get involved. Uh, 
My second point today is Jesus gives the gift of leadership in, in the church. So today we're going to concentrate on uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, which is about leaders of the church. And this includes the worldwide body of Christ, as not just this church family. But let's go over this. Paul wrote to the early church about leadership. Ephesians 4.11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So let's go over each of these. We've got the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So the first one is apostle. Question is, are there apostles today? Now, this is a controversial subject. Some say it's only the 12, that when John passed, that was the last apostle. But I'm glad to hear some of you said yes, because we believe there are apostles this day. The word apostle originated from the Old English word apostol, which came from the Greek word apostolos. Apostolos means messenger or someone who is sent. The verb form of apostolos is apostolin, which means to send. Therefore, apostle describes an individual who is a messenger or one who is sent out by community or church to spread the gospel or to establish new communities of believers. It refers to a person sent out as an authorized agent of Jesus or of a distinguished congregation. You know, think missionary, for instance. Interestingly, the Bible identifies others besides the 12 apostles as apostles. Well, for one, obviously, there's Paul. You know, he didn't uh, live, uh, he didn't see Jesus perform his miracles. You know, he didn't witness Jesus do, um, he didn't witness uh, Jesus' ascension into heaven. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then he was transformed into a believer. And he was an apostle, but he wasn't part of the 12. And he spread the gospel to the Gentiles. There are others in the Bible as well, though. Barnabas accompanied Paul on his first missionary trip to the Gentiles. Barnabas is identified as an apostle in the book of Acts. They were in a town called uh, Lestra, which was uh, where Iran is today, near the southern part of Iran. And Paul and Barnabas were there, and Paul saw a man who had been crippled, who had crippled feet since birth. And Paul saw that this man had faith to be healed. So he told the man to stand up, and he stood up and was healed instantly. Well, the people there saw this, and they immediately thought that Barnabas was Zeus, and that Paul was Hermes. And so the priest of the temple of Zeus came out to them, and he brought some bulls, and he was going to sacrifice them to Barnabas and Paul. And this is where we get to Acts 14, 14, where Barnabas is referred to as an apostle. Verse 14 says, But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran among the multitude, crying out. And I'll not say the rest. But you see, that verse refers to the apostles 
Barnabas and Paul. It doesn't say the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas was an apostle. Let's look at what the Bible says about Barnabas. And uh, this is not up here, but in Acts 4, 36 through 37, Luke says that his original name was Joseph, and the apostles gave him the name Barnabas. Barnabas became a prominent member of the church in Jerusalem, and when the church in Jerusalem heard about the gospel being spread in Antioch, which was, I believe, the third largest uh, city in, Ro in the Roman Empire at the time, um, they sent Barnabas to assist in the ministry there. And Barnabas accompanied Paul, of course, on his first missionary trip. And this is what Acts 14.24 says about Barnabas, that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. That describes Barnabas. He was an apostle. Today, don't we have people who are good, who are full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and leading people to Christ? So we have Barnabas described as an apostle. He wasn't part of the 12. There's also Titus. 2 Corinthians 8.23 says, If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. That phrase, sent by the churches. The NLT notes that the Greek for that phrase is, for the phrase sent by the churches, is apostle of the churches. In the book of Romans, we have Andronicus and Junia, who arguably are identified as apostles in Romans 16.7. Greet Andronicus and Julia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They were highly respected among the apostles and became followers of, of Christ before I did. Uh, in Philippians, I had to do this, um, write this out. The name Epaphroditus is referred to as a messenger, and it's in Philippians 2.25. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. That word messenger. If you look at, if you look at the Bible, uh, New English Translation, it's called the NET. That's a good study Bible, by the way. It's full of footnotes. Uh, going back to where the Greek and the Aramaic words uh, uh, were and how they were translated. But anyway, in the footnote, it says that the word messenger comes from the Greek word apostle. So it's obvious that many were referred to as apostles who were not of the twelve. So an apostle is an ambassador of Christ, a prominent member of the church who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who is sent out with the mission of proclaiming the gospel to the nations and who leads many to Christ. Pastor Mark tells us about Pastor Don, who is Pastor Mark's spiritual leader. And Pastor Don exudes the love of God, and he clearly hears from the Lord. He directly mentors hundreds of pastors across the globe and indirectly to thousands of pastors. He's an ambassador of Christ, sent out by Holy Spirit to spread the gospel to other nations. Therefore, by definition, he's an apostle appointed by Christ and his church to spread the gospel and to bring many to Christ. So I, I just don't want to belabor this point. There are apostles today, uh, we believe. 
in the church family. The second uh, type of leader is prophet. And a prophet is one inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to deliver a message. Uh, another description of a prophet is a person who speaks God's truth to others. A prophet is not necessarily one who portrays the future. A prophet is a person who receives a divine message and delivers it and shares the message with others. There are those in our church family who, church family who sometimes receive a word about someone else in the church. You know, it could be a message of encouragement to someone. It could be a warning. It could be a message to a church family that it's moving in the wrong or correct uh, direction. You know, Pastor Mark himself has delivered prophetic messages that he received from God to this church family. Um, so what is the purpose of pro prophecy? Paul says that the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and to comfort someone or the entire church. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 2, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Verse 3, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Verse 4, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And in addition to strengthening the church, Prophesying brings others to Christ. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, starting with verse 22. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. And verse 25 says, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. So in some prophecy is a message or report usually made to deliver to a believer or to believers based on a spontaneous personal revelation from Holy Spirit to either edify somebody, to encourage somebody to console somebody, to convict someone, or to guide another. And keep in mind that prophecy can never conflict with Scripture. So if there's a prophet who calls himself a prophet that says something that conflicts with Scripture, that's not a true prophet. But anyway, that's another church leader. Another one is similar. It's the evangelist. I think we're all familiar with evangelists. I think Billy Graham could be termed an evangelist. Evangelist refers to one who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. It indicates the task of such a person is to function as a spokesperson for the church. Um, in Acts 21.8, mentions Philip the evangelist. And it says, Acts 21.8 says, The next day 
we went to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. So keep in mind that more than one gift or ministry can be performed by the same person. You know, Paul charged Timothy, for instance, with his responsibilities as a pastor and a leader, but he also encouraged him to do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5 says, But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and carry out the ministry God has given you. So we have apostles, we have prophets, and we have evangelists. Uh, Paul also says we have pastors, and we all know what a pastor is. We have one in the form of Pastor Mark, right? A pastor leads and feeds like a shepherd that watches over the flock. He ensures that the flock is nourished and taken care of. You know, pastor comes from the word uh, shepherd. It actually means to shepherd. And, you know, in the uh, New Testament, in the Old Testament uh, Jewish community and in the New Testament community, shepherds who tended uh, to a flock of sheep held a responsible position in that society. They had to move flocks from place to place, and they had to protect the flocks from uh, wild animals and robbers. And they had to make sure that they were well fed. Well, I think that describes a, uh, a pastor in the sense that we're his flock. You know, we're, we're Pastor Mark's flock. And he feeds us and nourishes us every week to train and equip us to go out into this world to talk about Christ. Um, I'll just read Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So you see there's a verse that refers to a church as a flock and, a, and with a shepherd. Another one is 1 Peter 5.2. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Gosh, I mean, I think that describes Pastor Mark, right? He's one who is eager to serve God. Um, a pastor is a spiritually mature, mature leader, teacher, and preacher of the Word of God. Of course, who's the greatest shepherd of all? Jesus, right? He's the great shepherd. And uh, pastors have been described as under-shepherds because they shepherd under the great shepherd. Um, see, I think I'll go down to teacher, which is number 42. The, uh, the next uh, leader we have is a teacher, and a teacher, of, obviously we know what a teacher is, an instructor acknowledged for the mastery in the field of learning and the scripture, could be a Bible teacher. Pastor Christine is a good example of a teacher. She's a great Bible teacher, gifted in administration, serving and organizing. You know, there are other teachers in our family. I'm, I'm looking at Eileen. I'm looking at Steve. 
I'm looking at Mark. I'm looking at John. And, you know, there are some in, in, uh, who are teachers in your own family looking at Sherry. And, uh, and so there are teachers in this, in this group. Let's say Julia back there. Um, so anyway, my first point today is the Holy Spirit gives gifts so that we can help each other. My second point is Jesus gives the gift of leadership in the church. But what, what I really want to get to is my third point. Leaders equip others to do God's work and to build up the church. And Ephesians explains the purpose of church leaders. Ephesians 4, verse 12 says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So why does God give these gifts? He gives these gifts to equip us to do His work and to build up the church. The role of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher is ultimately to build up the church, the body of Christ, to strengthen all of us, to build us up, to fortify us, to advance spiritually. And who is the church? We are. And who are the gifts for? It's for us, right? Right. And what are the results of these gifts? Let's look at Ephesians 4.13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are being equipped to become into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Ephesians 4.14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You see, we come to church and we hear the messages so that when we go out in the world, we don't get tossed by the, by the wind. Right? We know what's going on in our society today. But we're able to hold steady in our faith because we receive the Word, we get fed the Word, and we get this done through Holy Spirit and Jesus, but through our church leaders. Verse 14 continues, We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So we're given the, the uh, gift of discernment. You know, we can see when something's the truth or when something's the lie. If, what well, we have Holy Spirit living in us. So it's God's desire that we grow and mature spiritually just as we expect a child to grow up and mature. And this is one reason Pastor Mark, for instance, is so uh, motivated at teaching things that are biblical. You know, there's, there's one reason Pastor Mark is so intentional about, about teaching you the truth of it. And that's because if someone teaches something different, we'll recognize it if it's non-biblical. You know, he uses the example of counterfeit. How do you train yourself to know what counterfeit money looks like? Well, you train by looking at the real thing, studying the real thing, getting to know the real thing, so that when you're handed a counterfeit, you recognize it immediately. 
Same way with the Scripture. We come here every day or every Sunday, and we do small groups, and we have personal study time. We pray so that ultimately we know what the truth is, and when something counterfeit comes our way, we immediately know it's counterfeit. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 says that if we're in this position, right, it says, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speaking the truth in love, growing up spiritually to be more like Christ in every way. Ephesians 4.16 says, he, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So my first point is Holy Spirit gives gifts so that we can help each other. Second point is Jesus gives gifts of leadership in the church. Third point is leaders equip others to do God's work and to build up the church. So I, I want to just mention one more aspect of church leadership that involves those of us who are not leaders. And, you know, I'm up here, but I include myself in that category. Um, pastor Mark, he's our pastor, he's our teacher, and at times, on occasion, he receives prophetic messages, and he needs to be respected, right? He was chosen by Christ to be our spiritual leader. And he has a heavy burden and a great responsibility to stay true to the word and to do his best to train and equip us. So I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. So we're to honor Pastor Mark and Pastor Christine and Cliff. He's an elder of the church. Verse 12 continues, they work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. You know, I think we do that. I think we show Pastor Mark great respect. Um, but we need to do that because it says that we need to do that in the Bible. Same with Pastor Christine and same with, with Cliff. As our leader, let me, let me give you an example. Uh, as our leader, Pastor Mark has asked us to read from the NLT, the New Living Translation. And he selected this translation for the purpose of teaching us, for teaching, giving us Sunday messages, for doing small groups. And so just out of respect, all of us should have the NLT. That's just an example. And here's why. First, number one, he asked us to. And second, all discussions and understanding, if it comes from the same translation, we won't have a problem understanding what the verse says. Now, I'm not saying we need to ditch our favorite Bible. I've got one that's not NLT. Um, and I'm not saying that you need to stop using it for personal study or, you know, uh, to read through on a daily basis. But when it comes to church, the church itself, meetings in the church and that sort of thing, we really ought to have the NLT, NLT, because what? Pastor Mark asked us to do that, and two, 
um, we can understand each other when we read from the verses. That's all I'm going to say about that. So again, Holy Spirit gives gifts so we can, we can help each other. It doesn't matter what the gift is. There's no great gift, a small gift that's better than or worse than any other. It's all equal in the eyes of God and Christ. Jesus gives the gift of leadership in the church, and leaders equip each other to do God's work and to build up the church. So God will do amazing things through your life if you get involved, if you allow him to work in you. Let's pray. If the Lord spoke to you today and you have not been saved and you want to be a child of God by asking Jesus into your heart, you raise your hand. There's no shame in that. If you're online and you want to ask Jesus into your heart, then let's say this prayer together. Dear God, Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus willingly gave his life on the cross, bearing the weight of my sins and triumphed over death through his resurrection. I accept that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. I therefore ask Jesus to come into my life. I acknowledge that Jesus is my Savior, and I surrender my entire being to his Lordship. Help me, Lord, to embrace Jesus as my Savior with all my heart. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And if you said this prayer, we have another prayer for you. Bow our heads. I pray that the Lord wash his Holy Spirit over you so that your relationship with Jesus will grow. I pray that the Lord give you the strength and discernment to follow his guidance. I pray that the Lord helps you to have a greater understanding of the significance of Jesus' sacrifice and the victory he achieved. I pray that this knowledge fills you with hope, assurance, and gratitude, knowing that through his death and resurrection, you have been reconciled with the Father and have eternal life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.